So, dear friends, hype it up, everybody. This is Health Skill Podcast coming live at you. My name is Marcel, and we are leveling up your health skill. Today, we're talking about meditation together with a wonderful being here, with Eski Fisher. Uh, she's my meditation yo and yoga teacher, and she has a PhD in electrical engineering. Oh, and I forgot, I need to put out the music. <laughs> the music is still running. I'm sorry. She has a PhD in electrical engineering. She has a nutritional degree. She's a health coach. She has a lot of experience in Thai massage and acrobatics. She's a fitness instructor. She's a facilitator facilitator of family family and systematic constellations and an astrologer but not only that she's also a nila kanta meditation teacher welcome in eski fisher how are you doing today <laughs> hi marcel hi i'm so happy to be here i'm excited to be here and thank you so much for inviting me and I'm talk so... as part of your podcast I'm so honored to have you today and also so honored that you make time in your day to be here. I know there's a lot of things going on in your life. So yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I'm honored to create that space. Yeah, Great. thank you. So <laughs> how are you doing today? How are you doing? And by the way, people are already saying, wow, what a gorgeous space you have behind you. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know people were seeing me. Okay, they're yeah, seeing me. <laughs> this is life. This is life. So people are seeing you. Yeah. Okay, that's lovely. Actually, I'm in the middle of a teaching. It. I'm in the middle of teaching a Stamba Yoga teacher training. So, um, you know, and uh, yeah, that's right. This space, this is the Stamba Yoga online studio space. Yep. And yeah, this is the space that I use to teach all of my trainings at this moment when they're online. <laughs> so Thank great. you. So great. Cool. So, um, yeah. How, how are you doing, Eski, at the moment? Just... I'm doing well, Marcel. I'm doing okay. well. So at this moment, you know, uh, I'm in that the deep contemplation that all this, the, the time that we're going through, the, yeah. the entire human collective, and how actually we are asked to seek solitude and, and find solidarity. <laughs> That's the deep contemplation I'm in. Great, great. So, um, I'm inviting you today to join me in a little bit of centering practice, but not just me, but everybody that listens in right now. So we have a lot of listeners that are listening right in right now, but also in the future where people are listening to the podcast, please come and do a little centering practice with us to connect to each other. So please come to a great sit and root your feet down. Feel how your toes are connected into the earth. Feel how your heels are connected into the earth. Or if you're sitting on the floor, just feel how your legs are resting on the earth. And from there, breathe in deep, deep, deep. Make this the deepest breath of the day today. And with this breath, you're connecting to each other to everybody that is listening and connecting to each other, feeling how your body are, is feeling right now, connecting with the different kind of bodies that are there, different kind of meditation 
skills, meditation levels that are there today, listening in. Connecting to your own body as well. And slowly coming back. Opening your eyes again, if you had them closed. And so I welcome you, everybody, to this meditation podcast. And dear Eski, I'm really honored that you're here today. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into meditation? My journey into meditation. Yeah. So I guess you can speak about an entire life uh, devoted to discovering the depth of my being. <laughs> I guess my journey of meditation, I cannot speak about it without mentioning that. Uh, so the earliest memory from my childhood that I remember is asking myself the question, what am I, who am I, what is all this, and what am I doing here? <laughs> and then the entirety of my life after this shaping of these questions with the first initial you know awareness of my individual self then i've devoted in studying and finding the answers to that question and to me meditation lies at the center of it at the center of the answer to those questions you know oh. what am i who am i what am i doing here what is all this you know yeah yeah, yeah. so the meditation to me is the central peace in leading to answer those questions wonderful thank you <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a wonderful explanation and how how did you yeah it started early wow that's great that's great and since then you start you you connected through these questions with meditation a little so so meditation is kind of like answering the questions for you these questions is that correct correct yeah. Yeah. okay yeah it Wonderful. is the central piece on answering those questions and okay. every other thing also you mentioned you, you mentioned some of my degrees and some of my studies and mm -hmm. so all these tools also um that i have been studying and i still study i always say i'm going to study until the day i die i'm going to teach until the day i die and all these other tools are supporting the answer to those questions mm -hmm. and yet still uh, to me, the meditation remains as the central piece for the answer of those questions. So that the med meditation to me is that divine love affair that you create and you open or you ignite uh, with yourself. It is that divine love affair with the self. Mm -hmm. It is the ultimate connection to everything that there is. And it is that the, the almost... It is almost to me is letting go of finding the answer to those questions, but rather just living it. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, cool. So I like to go a little, 
going to a little bit more formal questions right now already. Uh, I I really you're you're answered that question so so fast, you know. And uh, I want to honor that, right? Because there lies a quality into precise answers, right? And and kind of like short short compact answers instead of like going far and wide and speaking a lot, right? So I wanted to honor that quality. Wonderful. So is meditation difficult? What do you think about this? So I guess it define it depends on one's definition of meditation. So in in my universe, in the universe of Stamba, it is about it is actually how we define it is is we define it in the as Nilakanta meditation, <laughs> because this is the meditation practice that I, I practice every single day. And this is the meditation practice that I'm authorized to teach and formally um, initiate people into this practice. So, and in, when I answer it from the context of Nilakanta meditation, that my, the, my meditation practice, it is easy, it is natural, it's effortless, you know? And I cannot answer that question from the context of other meditation practices. Okay. So I can only answer it from the context of what I am authorized and what I'm skilled and what I'm experienced in. Exactly. So <laughs> from the perspective of Nilakanta meditation, Nilakanta meditation is an easy, effortless, natural practice. Wonderful. Thank you for that great answer. Um, so uh, let's, let's keep on going. What do you think is meditation dangerous? Oh, that's a great question, Marcel. That's a great question because, you know, like we are blessed with uh, many different um, arenas and areas and gateways of access to a lot of information that, ha that is existing in the universe right now. And actually a lot of information that is spanning many different generations and many different bloodlines, so all these stuff. So right now, actually, we said that there is no other time in the history of the human existence that we were, we, we were able to access this much information so easily, right? So, and then we say, you know, it always comes with an upside and a downside, everything. So, because uh, a lot of things that I'm talking about and I'm answering your questions is uh, around my main tradition and lineage, which is, which is Hindu Shaiva Tantra philosophy. So, and the Nilakanta meditation practice is the meditation practice for the Hindu Shaiva Tantra philosophy. So when um, from that context, we always talk about when the, the moment that something good is created, something equally bad is created. So when we talk about the advantage of the time that we live in, which is that no other time in human history we were able to access this much information, mm -hmm. it comes with a downside to it. Because I, I just love so much to be able to study many things and to be able to access the information so easily because, I mean, you clearly understood I'm a geek of the universe, you know, I just like studying everything that I can find and I like studying it in depth and that's 24 hours of my life. So, and of course, this is great. On the other side, the downside of it is that we are able to access information, but we don't know the we don't know, we, we, we cannot necessarily discern the, um, if it is the right information, you know, if it is uh, transmitted through the right authorized source. 
So if it is this the, is this the right depiction of that lineage, you know, or is this how things really were, or how things were meant to be transmitted from that lineage, this form of information. So this happens a lot right now since we have a lot of access to spirituality, all the Eastern traditions. And I, as a scientist as well, at the same time, a very deeply spiritual person, I'm so much interested in the link between science and spirituality. So anyway, so your long answer to a short question <laughs> is that <laughs> meditation is meditation dangerous? Can be. <laughs> if, if one is doing a practice that is, meant, that is not meant to be for them, it could become dangerous and depending on the meditation practice. Because there are articles right now, maybe you're aware of them as well. There, there has been articles, a lot of articles about meditation, about the benefits of meditation, right? So we have been uh, bombarded by uh, the articles about the benefits of meditation mm -hmm. over the last quite yeah. some years now, thanks to also Buddhism spreading and then mindfulness practices spreading, uh, which I what I teach is different than that. But So that's a great way of uh, expansion uh, of spirituality in the Western world right now. So anyway... There has been a lot of articles on the benefits of meditation. And recently, there were some articles about the harmful effects of meditation. And I read those articles. And, <laughs> and there, are, there are valid points in those articles that meditation, can it be harmful? It can be if you don't do the right practice for yourself. Yeah. You know, if the, if the information is not transmitted by the right authorized source, and if you if it is not uh, transmitted in the right way through the right platform, in the right setting, in the right way, mm -hmm. then it could be, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> that answer. But on the other hand, what I want to say is yep. Nilakanta meditation is not dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like for... Let, let's go a little bit deeper into that right now. So um, mm. think about, thinking about renunciate and uh, householder practices, like uh, going deeper into the Nila Kanta meditation right now, I offer you that opportunity to do that. Let's mm -hmm. let's talk about uh, what is a renu renunciate and what's, what is a householder practice? Could you, could exactly. you explain a little? So the danger is because the danger is around that topic, you mm -hmm. know? The danger of meditation is around the topic of um, this understanding this definition of the householder and the renunciate. So in the spiritual traditions, we define two paths. You know, one is the path of the householder, one is the path of the um, renunciate. So these terms, what they mean is this. So renunciate um, is the word that we use to depict the person who is meant to renounce from life who is meant to um, renounce from the worldly duties of life, worldly responsibilities, daily responsibilities of life. So you can take the examples of monks who live in a monastery. So you can take the examples of, you know, people, uh, renunciates who live in a cave. All their life they spend in that cave doing spiritual practices. They, they spend all their life in a monastery doing all these spiritual practices. So it is a very valid path. You know, mm -hmm. so it is super valid path to access one's um, divine self, and and then there is a there is also the path of the householder. The householder is how we define the word is the person who is meant to have active duty in life. 
you know, active worldly responsibilities that they have. And uh, so they are, uh, there's a certain career, there's a, there may be family, you know, there's like friends that you're responsible for or whatever. And then there's uh, a job, there's a rent to pay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all these like worldly responsibilities of life. Mm-hmm. So that's when one is born into that. So we call this person as a householder. And I haven't done the exact research, I mean, as a scientist, so I should I should speak more clear on these things, but I, I'm going to give a rough number of 99.9% of the world is householders, okay? This is the approximate rough number of in terms of this right spiritual path. So when we talk about this as a householder, a person who is meant to have active duty in life, and then the renunciate who is meant to withdraw from life, and that's their way of accessing their divine self. For the householder, accessing their divine self is about actively participating in life, you know? So, and then the householder, they need the right meditation practice for them. They need the right spiritual practices for them. And if a householder does renunciate practices, it is dangerous for the householder. That's what, coming back to your earlier question, if a householder who's meant to have active duty in life, if they start engaging with renunciate practices, Mm -hmm then actually that spiritual, those spiritual practices takes the person away from life, you know, that all of a sudden actually life start meaning uh, making no sense or uh, your marriage starts making no sense to you, your job starts making no sense to you, like you almost like want to escape life. So in the articles that I read, I read about these uh, harmful benefits that they were speaking about, which suddenly made me think, oh, of course, this individual is doing not doing the right practice for them. If they engage in renouncing practices, they will have these harmful effects, mm-hmm. which takes one away from life. Yeah. On the other hand, the right practice for a householder, meditation practice and spiritual practice, ta- brings that householder, brings the person closer to life, <laughs> more yeah. actively participating in life. Then, the, then the, that right meditation practice or spiritual practice makes someone connect to life be more successful at what they do, you know, be more happy in their life and be more welcoming their role in their family or whatever, you know, their job, their career, this and that. So, so that's, yeah, that's the householder and renunciate depiction, discrimination (laughs) that is very important to understand because right now in the world, there are a lot of renunciate practices out there. And then all of a sudden we start thinking, oh, I'm supposed to move away from my physical body. Oh, I'm supposed to move away from my emotions. Not really. Mm-hmm. If you're a householder, you just mm-hmm. need the right practice. Yeah. So, well, right now, what is your opinion about like apps like that people lead in maybe use for their first steps into meditation? What do you think about that? Good questions, Marcel. Okay. So, because I was muting myself to, so that I don't interfere with your uh, thing uh, ah. when you're talking. So, um, good question. You know, I'm a very traditional being living in the Western world. <laughs> traditional being meaning I'm so deeply devoted to to the um, to the exact way how these traditions came about. 
all these uh, philosophies and where they really come from. <laughs> and for me, like my main lineage and tradition is Hindu Shravatantra um, and the philosophy of that and the path of that. And, and then there's a certain way, let's say, the information is given in those tradition is, you know, from teacher to the student, from uh, from one being to the other. <laughs> and there's it requires certain initiations and certain ceremonial settings, etc. And then one gets the right spiritual practice for them or the right meditation practice for them, etc. And so and then your first question was about that. Is meditation easy or hard? If it is given through the right play, by the right source in the right way, in the right setting, by the right authorized source, in the context of, for example, for Nekantamedic, it is easy and effortless. <laughs> mm, but if it is not done in that way, then it can become the hardest thing for that person. So in that way, I can only speak about what I do or what I uh, what I teach, and I can only speak about the benefits that I have received from it. So, and I highly encourage everyone, uh, you know, sharing their wisdom in their own way with the world. <laughs> so uh, I have no, um, I will, I can have no judgment about that, how uh, someone chooses to share their wisdom. Uh, all I can say is I can speak about what I know the benefits of, you know, <laughs> so and I have seen it on myself firsthand and all and all the people that I have been teaching and guiding, how firsthand it shapes and shifts their life drastically and connects one to life, you know, uh, this practice. Um, and from an Ilakanta meditation perspective, one doesn't need any app or any other, any other meditation avenue once they have this initiation or this practice because then everything kind of comes with it you know on the other hand i uh, i'm sure there are many different apps that they guide visualization contemplation uh, journeys <laughs> so i so actually i would like to make that separation also because um in the Western world right now, we use the word meditation for everything. Everything that we, when we close our eyes, it becomes meditation. <laughs> <laughs> right now, uh, right now. And that's okay. You know, I don't think there's any right or wrong in that. It is about what you use that word for. But if you, if you choose to use the word meditation for every time we close our eyes and turn inside to ourselves, mm -hmm. I think it's a very broad field, you know? But if you really want to define uh, different meditation practices and what they each really are and if you want to really talk about them on the technical level then they are drastically different from each other mm -hmm. for example the, the the practice of contemplation visualization um, is very different than the um, the practice of a deep nilakanta meditation but it operates at a different technical level of the yeah. universe yeah you know yeah so this doesn't negate the benefit of 
the practices of contemplation and visualization, I guide them myself. I teach them on, in my teacher trainings, in my intensive studies, in my immersions. I teach contemplations. I teach visualizations. I teach those, you know, breathing, turning deep inside yourself, and then asking questions in that deep place, which is often called now meditation. I teach all these things. And what I choose to call meditation is something else. And yet it is not wrong to call all of these meditations, but it is important to uh, separate maybe um, the, the understanding of it. Um, somehow the operating level of these practices are different. They operate at a, the different technical uh, level mm -hmm. of the universe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Anyway, so there's, yeah. sorry, I'm going to, no, I can talk forever as you, as you guys uh, yeah, already that's, understood that's wonderful. <laughs> about these topics. <laughs> so great. Um, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into that right now. Um, when do you know that you experience meditation? Hmm. Again, it depends on your definition of meditation, right? <laughs> Definitely. So, because I, I'm well aware of it that at this stage, that it all is about the definitions that we use for certain words or meanings that we give to certain words. So, when, when you talk about the state of meditation, was that the word that you used? The state of meditation uh, to define meditation or what do you mean exactly? Define meditation. Could you repeat your question again? Yeah, sure. When do you know uh, uh -huh. that you experience meditation? When do you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. So like, again, yeah, depending on the definition of it. So mm -hmm. because um, when, when we start using the word meditation for every time we close our eyes, so then... You know, I guess like the, then the answer could be, oh, every time you close your eyes and turning a little bit deep in, then you call it meditation. So that's one valid way, obviously, at this moment that exists. So the way that, let's say, in my universe, in our universe, that we use uh, the word meditation and the state of meditation is we define that state that is way beyond your physical existence and way beyond your um like it is a state actually it is a it is a state by itself you know the state of uh, meditation i don't i'm i don't want to use a lot of technical terms and bore you guys but in the hindu shavatantra we define it as a turiya state which is the fourth state uh which is the fourth state and the other three states are you know awake um dream and deep sleep so, and then the fourth state is the state of meditation. When you're not in an awake state, you're not in a dream, and you're not deeply sleeping. So there is that fourth state for our awareness and for our consciousness. So, and in that state, we say there is no movement and there, is, there are no thoughts. There is no movement of the physical body and there are no thoughts that are actively happening on the, on the surface level. So there's almost like, um, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to leave it at that. So no thoughts and no movement. So there is that. But the question is, 
how to get there. <laughs> Good question. Good question. Yeah. By, by doing so Nilakanta meditation. Hmm? By doing Nilakanta meditation. Yeah, that would be my answer for sure. <laughs> that would be my answer. You know, uh, on the other hand, so for a householder, it is, I mean, also going there, even going to the state of meditation, going to that three state where there are no toes and there's no movement. For a householder, the more interesting question is, what does it do to me? How does it affect my life? <laughs> okay, I can go there. Great. So, but then how do I bring it to my daily life? Mm -hmm. So why would it help me to be a better friend, to be a better lover, to be a better uh, husband, <coughs> to be a better wife, to be a better, uh, to be good at my career? So how does it support me? On my daily in my daily life i think this is the more interesting question for the householder yeah you know? definitely so so that's like i mean with the nilakanta meditation practice actually yes there is um there is an access to that divine state eventually it may not happen on day one it will happen through daily regularity of the practice so yes there will be access to that state but then the issue is, what? how do I bring that into my daily life? Or how does it support me in my daily life? So what happens is when we go to, those, uh, to, the, to the deep states of meditation, if you have the right practice, so when you have a practice, when you have linear counter meditation practice, which is, a, which is an esoteric spiritual, the Hindu, let me just, a little bit rewind back so sure, hang in there with sure. me so hindu shaiva tantra is an esoteric spiritual path for the householder and the nilakanta meditation practice is the meditation practice of that path which is the path for a path for a spiritual esoteric path for the householder so and in specific nilakanta meditation what it helps with is it helps with burning the negative residues of past events so in that state, in that deep state of meditation, in that deep place of nectar, healing happens and there's a burning of the negative residues of past events. To me, that's interesting for the householder, you know, if I can become more free in life and every decision that I make, every step that I make normally, which is colored and affected by the negative residues of past events, whatever I lived when I was six years old, however my mom treated you, I don't know, just many examples to that, negative residues of past events. So every decision I make in life is affected by those negative residues. And then when I practice daily, a householder meditation practice, like Nilakanta meditation in this specific case, then these negative residues are being burned so that I can make decisions more freely, not affected by those negative residues anymore. Wonderful. So yeah. that's, that's the interesting thing to me for the householder. Yeah. Then it's a backpack that you're working, walking with yeah. around yeah. with these negative residues. And then once when we practice regularly, in this in this way in this practice and receive the right initiation for it then our backpack becomes lighter yeah then we make better choices 
you know, we become good at better at what we do. I mean, I myself cannot speak enough of the benefits of it, which I clearly experience in my own self. Um, I guess, yeah, that's, yeah. Great. That's Thank how I'm going to answer that meditation state or how you know that you are in that state you, when you see the effect of it in your life. <laughs> Thank you so much for the, the answer, uh, Eski. I quickly want to mention for everybody that is listening and that we are going to speak in a week about traumas together with my other dear friend, Car Carmen. So she's coming up next week. And we will also have the topic of samskaras there. And yeah, it's exciting, exciting news. So let's go a little bit further. Now we are connected with these traumas and we're kind of like bringing these traumas up, right? And we're dealing with them in unconscious way, in one way, right? What do you think about having now this, this goal of, yeah, I want to do meditation to connect like with my, with my traumas and to deal with them. What do you think about that goal specifically? Like, um... Is it good to have that goal or do you think like, oh, yeah, you don't, you shouldn't have that goal at all. Don't be attached to that goal. You know a little bit what I mean? You know, I, I think it could be either way, Marcel. So, you know, again, I'm going to speak in the context of Nidakanta meditation. So, um, because this, that's what I know and that's what I can speak Jeez, of. Yeah. So, um, because I'm very conscious about speaking about topics that I really am skilled and educated and knowledge in. So that's why I cannot um, speak uh, for others. But for, for this context, let's say, so when someone, let's say, um, decides to take a journey into Nilakanta meditation, so they there doesn't even need to be a goal you know and and then it's a different maybe it's a different goal or it's a different intention for anyone so and i was speaking in terms of you know the householder that could be an interesting thing so simple intention could be i want to connect to myself mm -hmm. i want to connect to, to me or actually we talk a lot about freedom Actually, in the context of in the Shaiva Tantra, freedom, Svatantriya means freedom. So the ultimate freedom, everyone wants to be free. We all want to be free, right? So we all want to be free in those places that no one sees us, actually. Like, because no one knows what's happening inside your head, but only you. You know that freak show or you know, the, what the, you know, just kind of like I just want to make things a little bit fun. So <laughs> but I don't want to say that you have a freak show inside your head, but <laughs> just kind of like teasing a little bit, like having fun with it. So only you know, you know, what is happening there. So we want to be free there. You know, we want to be free in general. So everyone like wants that freedom. And we all want to be connected to, mm -hmm. connected to something deeper, something higher, or it could be simply being connected to yourself, yeah. you know, being connected to yourself. So, um, I mean, the meditation practice doesn't need goals to it. <laughs> it's just, it could be just simple intention of opening up to a divine love affair with yourself. 
let's let's talk a little bit more about what's your meditation routine and regularity so meditation um in in general like for any like meditation practitioner so the meditation is twice a day you know mm -hmm. yeah. and at the start, it's 20, 20 minutes each time, and then it increases in time. So my meditation practice at this stage is long. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite long. So, but at least at least twice a day, and um, yeah, and then there's also additional other practices, you know, that that we do in this context because there there are also other tools and other practices that support the journey of discovery of oneself. Wonderful. You know, well, there, yeah. let's discuss a little bit. Why is your meditation longer than uh, a beginner's meditation uh, practice? Or in Nila Kanta. We're just speaking about Nila Kanta meditation right now, always. So don't worry about it. Nila Kanta meditation practice. I mean, um, the information, a lot of the information or the detailed information about Nila Kanta meditation practice is given in the context of the practice itself, you know, uh, on the initiatory in the during the initiatory settings, during the initiatory platforms, um, as you actually know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really cannot share all the, all okay, the details yeah. of this sure, practice sure. in that way. And um, so one. What I can say is it's, um, it's a very powerful practice. So it really ignites a lot of stuff. And because in that journey of healing, there's a lot that is ignited and there's a lot that is um, being healed. And there's a certain, let's say we want to contain the practice so that uh, the being is given you know, the work that they can handle at that moment, you know? So it is in the, in the highest and best interest in terms of the, in terms of the healing and in terms of, you know, how it is like you step into water slowly, right? Yeah. And then you get, uh, then you warm up a little bit more and then you can step in a little bit more. You warm up a little bit more. You can step a little bit more. You can maybe understand it from that perspective. It's kind of, um, so that, of course, <laughs> like it's a deep water that maybe you want to step into it little by little, little by little, like slow by slow, you know, mm -hmm. it's like that. Look, at the end also, like we are as a householder, um, how we are merging with the water is also uh, we are, we are letting, so our individual life wave, think of it as, as a, as a wave in the ocean, right? And the entirety of the ocean is everything in the universe. And your individual life wave is that uh, uh, certain wave. And then how we merge with the oneness and how we merge with the divine to that, uh, to that meditation state, let's say we were talking about, is we let the entire ocean to rise up to that individual life wave. So that's what we do in the in the householder practice. So in the Nakata meditation, we let the entire ocean to rise up to us, and we become the entire ocean by being in our individual life wave. And then, on the renouncing practice, the individual life wave 
is being subsided is being kind of um is being sub subsided to merge with the ocean so by actually um almost um losing that individual life wave then renounce it becomes the entire ocean for a householder it's about letting the entire ocean to rise up to you so maybe you can say that you can um you do bite-sized pieces right mm -hmm. you do bite-sized pieces so like you let the entire ocean rise up to you and then you come back to that individual wave maybe you let the entire ocean rise up to you come back to that individual wave and then maybe in time then you get used to it like like everything like you know everything takes experience too in that way mm -hmm. like getting into that water slowly as well yeah okay thank you Eski. um let's let's talk, talk let's go a little bit just try out wherever we come you know let's let's see what comes up with this next question let's talk about children or animals what do you think are they in their natural state of meditation now the meditation is again there the definition of meditation is again there but what do you think in what kind of state are they in is that state similar to a state of Deep meditation, whatever deep meditation means. <laughs> animals? Yeah, animals or children. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a really good question. Really, really good question. So oftentimes, actually, for children also, because, you know, when we are born into this life, so when you actually you already experience it, when you hold a baby, they're in this very deep state. It's the, there's this energy you're like, mm, like they're like, mm, you know, <laughs> kind of like you hold the baby and then it's so heavy. <laughs> like the baby is light on the physical actual sense. And yet the energy that they have is so heavy, but heavy, not in a bad way, heavy. Uh, they're so rooted, grounded, and they are, they just are. <laughs> they just are. You know, and then in time that we learn that there's an individual self and then there's limitations to this individual self and all this stuff. So, yes, one can actually argue that or claim that. So when we are born, we are kind of floating in that oneness ocean, you know, mm -hmm. and then in time we are learning to create the individual life wave, you know, and, and then we are learning also the almost like the the framework or the limitations that we have created in this relative world, you know, and we learn to become that individual life wave. And then after we become an adult, then we need to relearn to merge, let the ocean to rise up to us. You know, it's almost, um, it's a little, it's a game in that way. So we're almost like unlearning to learn it better. You know, we are forgetting to remember it deeper. Mm -hmm. That's how I see for, from a human perspective in terms of the, uh, from, from a baby towards an adult. And then also when you go through the stages of a child, also the child also oftentimes they are in the dream state too. Actually, a, ch a child uh, can switch between these states that I mentioned earlier, you know, awake, dream, and deep sleep a lot, a lot easier. So you will find actually a child during the day in that dream state, 
You know, they are not in the awake state. They are literally dreaming. They're in that dream state that we go actually when we only sleep. So somehow a part of us actually loses the ability to go in between these states also. And then, then we become an adult and then we need to relearn it, relearn it and to be able to discern it better. So we, we forget to be able to remember it better. You know, it's like a pickable game. So we hide to be able to find something, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just that. And for animals, um, you know, you can also, you can actually, I have a lot of theories about evolution in that way, but it, it will not, uh, <laughs> our, the, the, the time of our podcast won't allow it. So the, the theory of evil, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a, I, I'm not sure if I should start talking about that, but the evolution of the human and how we have developed the brain capacity, mm-hmm. you know, how, because that's how we um, separated from uh, the other animals in the, in the story of the evolution to have a more capacity of the brain so that we can have more discernment and we can understand the universe in a more detailed way, et cetera, this and that. So it was a part of, um, it's a part of a game that we are playing, but then that everything good comes with a downside to it. So when we have that much of a brain capacity, it comes with so much darkness to it as well. And then, then we had to develop all these different techniques or ways to be able to, um, let's say, uh, be able to not, not get lost in those limitations that we create with that increased capacity of the mind, mm-hmm. the capacity of the brain. So one can say for an animal in that way, even just very biologically speaking, when there's a decreased capacity of the brain, there's, you can say there's, a bit, there's less discernment and yet there's less problems too. So <laughs> they could, then one can claim that there's more oneness a lot easier, less complicated. You know, so in that way, it is almost like debatable what is more evolved and what is less evolved, right? <laughs> it is about actually, to me, it's about how one chooses to play the game. So this is how a human chooses to play the game. And then, then this is how an animal chooses to play the game of divinity. <laughs> and we all are equally divine beings. So it's just, I think, choice of playing the game Wonderful. difference of choices of playing the game that's how i see it as anyway as you see there's uh i have a whole endless thing to talk yeah, about that yeah that's that's I'm very wonderful uh thank you so much for sharing that um um i think i think i have more questions but i think we need to close it uh yes. slowly slowly and i want to honor you one more time eski thank you so much for joining in today and also, I want to ask you to tell the listeners like where, where they can find you and reach out to you if they are interested uh, into connecting with you and maybe starting their meditation journey together with you. Yeah, so they can reach out. Uh, I'm Ezgi, Ezgi Fisher, and um, the, uh, the, the, the main let's say, platform that I serve or the main entity that I serve is Stamba. So Stamba is, we say Stamba is the new world that we're creating by already living in it. And there's a Stamba Life Academy. So 
they can reach through stamba.yoga. So stamba is S-T-A-M-B-H-A, stamba, S-T-A-M-B-H-A dot yoga, stamba.yoga or stamba.world. It could most would work. And they can reach through that like happily. And then if they want to send an email, they can send an email to info at stamba.yoga. So that will go to beautiful uh, Nina. So yeah, they can they can reach through these uh, flat through these sources, and we would be happy to serve if it is if it is if it really draws you, if it really feels right to your heart and God, or if it sparked a bit deeper of an interest in you. If it didn't, great, be happy exactly what you do in your life. But if it did spark something, then yeah. You know where to find us. Great. Wonderful. Uh, so this was Housekill Podcast. Uh, this was the Meditation November. This was the fourth podcast about meditation. I was so, so excited to have Eski Fisher here, my meditation teacher. And uh, next week we will be speaking about traumas. And find us at www.moment.yoga/life. Available on all podcast platforms. And... This was Health Skill Podcast. We are leveling up your health skill.